With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. to Puck University. I'm your host, Tim Williams, joined once again by Chris Lynch from up in Boston. It is the last weekend of the regular season for all but one conference, and there is a lot to still be decided, but we were just talking about it before we started recording. Chris, college hockey season, it seems like it's so long at times, but the end comes so fast. It's really abrupt how the regular season stops. Yeah, the first regular season game was September 29th between BU and Union, and now the end is upon us. It's only It really only has been a few months. Feels like it's been a while, but there's so much stuff that's happened. So many players who've developed themselves as real quality pro-caliber players, and this is why you watch this sport. And uh, allow me to get this out of my system for the college hockey fan in me. USA! 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 Yeah, actually, before we get into the hockey, it's probably best to touch on on this. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Last night, the USA women's hockey team won the gold medal in a fantastic game against Canada. And, of course, very few teams in any Olympic sport are as directly tied to the college game as women's hockey. So many players on the U.S. women's team, pretty much all of them came through the college system at some point, some of them still there. So what a wonderful moment for the, for the women's hockey in the United States and, and how far they've come after all the controversy last year coming into the world championships and all the things that happened, and now they're lifting the gold medal. Congratulations to the women on that team. Congratulations to USA Women's Hockey. And you got to note as well that there's a lot of uh, players on that Canadian team. Chief among them, uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin, who's a Boston University alum. So there's a lot of college players on that Canadian team who have also been outstanding and have been uh, great competitors as well. But for, for this USA team, it's a well-earned, well-deserved, and uh, just tremendous victory. I, the only complaint I would list about it is that I really, really don't like shootouts. I understand why the Olympics do it, but I, I can't stand shootouts. Then this, is, this has been a general thing. I feel like I've, you and I have been pretty consistent on this. For our whole time uh, with, uh, with with me being a guest on the show, but aside from that complaint, it, it was an awesome game. It was very well played and uh, great to see 
Minnesota players, BC players, Duluth players, people from all over the place getting to uh, compete and play for their country and to uh, win a gold. Especially after the way the 2014 Olympics ended, it's a great victory for all involved with USA Hockey. And while we're at it, since the Winter Games will be wrapping up this weekend, any any highlights that you've been able to glean from the, the parts of the Winter Olympics you've been watching besides the wonderful win for Team USA? Uh, such a shame for Canada in general that uh, the women's team lost and their curling team lost in the gold medal match on the same day. I haven't been able to pay that much attention to these Olympics, but uh, I would say that uh, I did get to watch the uh, the biathlon and the ski racing, uh, the ski racing and the rifle shooting uh, competitions, because that's always a really interesting balance of uh, working those sports out, and that's a great time. And watching the triple axle landed in uh, in the women's figure skating competition was, was outstanding. And uh, so the Olympics are a good time. I just wish I were able to pay more attention to it. I'm I'm in the same boat. I've been very busy the last couple of weeks and haven't been able to watch all that many of the games and all that many of the different events. But one thing I've found myself strangely mesmerized by is the curling, especially on the women's side. It's been it, it they're presented online with no commentary. So you kind of like I've watched this sport basically once every four years, so I have a vague understanding of it, but you kind of have to suss it out for yourself and you get to hear a lot of the commentary within the teams and hear a lot of their strategy just as it happens. So that it might not be the most exciting sport on paper, but it was a lot of fun to watch in the in the last couple of weeks. And of course, Team USA will be playing for the gold in that very soon. Yeah, I mean, I've always been intrigued by curling because my family has a bocce ball court uh, in our backyard. So I just look at it as it's bocce, but on ice. So I always like that that bit of strategy for it. And uh, I, I, yeah, I wish I were able to pay more attention, but this is the busy season for this sport for uh, for college hockey. So I've been bouncing around and trying to uh, to keep up to date on all this madness going on here back in the states. I'm. Chris, are you there? I think I think we might have lost you. Uh, I'm still here. Hello. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I just stopped my sentence. Okay. Well, getting back to the hockey, it's going to be a huge weekend in college hockey. Is again, everyone but the NCHC has their regular season come to a close, and that leaves a few conferences where the championship is still up for grabs. And we're going to start with Hockey East because you and I both know Hockey East very well. The schools we root for as fans are in Hockey East. And there are three teams that could conceivably win at least a share of the Hockey East Championship this weekend with BC coming in leading with 32 points. Um, Providence right behind them with 30. Providence only plays one game as opposed to the two that BC and Northeastern play. Northeastern has 29 points. So if Boston College slips up and loses uh, either one or both of their games, 
they could find themselves in a tie for the regular season conference. If they get swept, they could lose the regular season conference championship on the last day. That would be a tall order for a main team, though, that struggled with them last weekend. Well, all they need to do is win one of those games against Maine in the regular season crown is theirs because they would have 34 points. The most that Providence could have is 32, and the most that Northeastern could have is 33. So I actually think that the easiest task for any one of these teams to win is going to be Northeastern because I've spoken very highly of the ability of the University of New Hampshire squad, but my God, they have fallen apart as of late. I, I really didn't think I would be seeing or saying anything uh, this critical of a Dickie Murray team this late in his final season, but I've really been disappointed with what I've seen out of UNH and Northeastern gets them for two games. I think the home game they should win. The road game may be a bit tougher because it's Murray's last game at the Wits. Uh, but Providence going out to UMass. Uh, the Minutemen are going in the right direction. I think that uh, Coach Carville is leading in the right way. But I don't think BC has this one on lock. And you're right. that It was a 5 nothing victory last week in Orono. And BC came out ready to play. They came out ready to attack. Joseph Wall had a great game, and Maine wasn't wasn't ready to answer. And I'm sure that uh, Coach Shenzhen has regrouped his team so that they could uh, build some momentum going in. They're still uh, in a seedings battle. They're still in a fight to try and get that fifth and final playoff spot wrestled away from UConn to try and uh, get a first round by in the hockey playoffs. And Connecticut's another one of those teams that's going to have an interesting weekend. You're going to be in Hartford tonight to see what is their final Hockey East game of the season as they take on the Massachusetts Amherst Minutemen. So their issue is that they can get that, they would need Maine to lose at least one game to get that fifth seed. Now, of course, Maine is going to be the underdog in both of their games against Boston College, but Connecticut only has one game, so they absolutely have to win tonight. Oh, they have to. Uh, I mean, they've beaten the Minutemen before this season, so they've done it once before. And in fact, just earlier this season, at the Excel Center, UConn and UMass played. I'm sorry for the schedule. I have this right. Uh, back in back in December, these teams had a home and home, and on a Tuesday night in Hartford, UConn defeated UMass eight to two at UMass. And this is a Huskies team that is riding some momentum. They've won their last. They they haven't lost a game since Thursday the 18th of January against Providence. Since then, they've beaten Providence, New Hampshire, BC, Brown, and Northeastern on the road, and they hosted BU last week and beat them 5-4 to four in a comeback overtime victory. So this is a UConn team that is riding some momentum. I think they're going to be ready for, essentially, they're going to treat this like a championship game. Because for their development in hockey, they joined this conference in 2014, and they would have their first over 500 season in hockey since then. This is a huge game 
just from their program progression standpoint. It sure is, and it looks like they could get that fifth seed. They're going to need some help from Boston College. So so the Hockey East, really, this week, the story with the, the conference is everyone but BC is going to be doing a little bit of scoreboard watching throughout the weekend. Providence, if they take care of their game, would need Boston College to get swept to share the regular season title at 32 points. Northeastern, as you mentioned, they can get to 33, so they can't. So if they want to have a share of the regular season title, they want they need Maine to get three points or more in the weekend. So it's I wouldn't say it's entirely up for grabs. Again, all BC has to do to clinch at least a share is get one tie in two games. So they're they're sitting pretty against Maine. But it's not decided yet, and there's still something up for grabs. That's going to be a really interesting weekend. And we talk about teams that need the games. We've mentioned this before. Boston College needs some kind of a an award. And there's no trophy awarded for winning the regular season hockey's championship. But with having a winless out-of-conference schedule, if Boston College wants to be selected for the NCAA tournament, they have but two options, win the Hockey East championship in the playoff or at least make a strong case, and that strong case is going to have to involve winning the regular season title. I mean, if they win out here, really, it's going to come down to them having to win out against Maine. And that's no small task because Maine is a tough, tough, tough team. And Swayman, their goaltender, he is a real goaltender. So I won't put it past uh, past the Black Bears to go into conference for him and come out with a victory. And that's going to be uh, in Compton on Saturday for the final game of the regular season between those teams. And I'm going to be at Northeastern on Friday night. For, uh, for that matchup. But honestly, if they don't, even if they do pull out these victories, I still don't think I would put BC in the national tournament unless they win the conference championship for Garden. I just don't think that they've played well enough to get in there without, uh, without winning the whole thing. And for the record, in case anyone accuses me of being biased against BC, only Providence and Northeastern, based off their entire body of work, deserve to be in the NCAA tournament from Hockey East. BU doesn't, UConn doesn't, Maine doesn't. Only two teams right now. And I would put those teams, Providence and Northeastern, in regardless. Uh, I, I think it's going to come down to them for the conference championship. But if someone else wins, uh, wins the tournament, if BU or BC go on a crazy run, and win the tournament, then I won't be that surprised. But right now, it really is Providence and Northeastern are the only teams, I think, that have already earned spots in the national tournament. When you count in the out-of-conference schedule, it paints an interesting picture in hockey's because BC, right now, at 32 points, they obviously lead Hockey East. They also have the most goals for in conference play in the, turn, in the conference with 71 and they're tied at 49 for the fewest goals against. So they have a really good body of work inside their conference. But if you add in out-of-conference play, 
Northeastern and Providence both leapfrogged them in terms of goals for and goals against. Northeastern would be the number one team in the conference in both of those categories right now, and Providence would be number two in both of those categories. BC would fall quite a bit. They they would actually fall behind New Hampshire in terms of goals allowed if they if when you count in the out of conference schedule. Now, of course, we go by wins and losses and ties, not goals for and goals against. But I think that helps illustrate just how much trouble BC has had in their out of conference games. Plus, I think you've got to consider the head to head matchup and how BC has done against Providence and Northeastern. They won uh, the Eagles beat Providence in overtime in October in Providence and beat Northeastern on the road in November. Since then, though, they got smashed 5-2 by Northeastern in Conti, smashed 4-1 by Providence in Conti, and shut out 3-0 in the first round of the Beanpot for Northeastern. That's not a good head-to-head matchup against the top two teams in the conference who, uh, who are still competing with them for the conference championship. Now, for Northeastern, if they were to win at least a share of the Hockey East regular season title, it would be their first in program history. They've won the conference twice, but they haven't won the regular season title. In 2009, they had the lead coming into the last day and lost it in Connie Forum to Boston College. So that would be a monument for the Northeastern program that's really breaking a lot of barriers for them this year, including a as we've established before, what might be the Hobie Baker front runner and Adam Goddett. Although you don't count Olympic play, but I got to say Ryan Donato was one of the front runners coming into the Olympics and he has done, he did great for team USA in their Olympic run as well. So if you were to count that in, I'd say Donato would be right there with him and he still might be, but in terms of, of Northeastern, they could win some trophies that they've always been looking at as things other teams got. So th- it's another milestone for a program if they were to get it. And they're going to have, well, you mentioned New Hampshire has been sliding would be generous since the start of the new year. They've been, they've, they've really been at the bottom of hockey East for 2018. Once the, once the calendar turned over, they only have 15 points in the conference. They're only ahead of Merrimack in that regard. Merrimack actually has more in-conference wins than New Hampshire. But I do say that Friday night in Durham, that's going to be a tough matchup because that means a lot to the New Hampshire hockey program. We've talked quite a bit that this is Dick O'Milly's final season as the coach of New Hampshire. He has been their coach for a long time. He has been a great steward to their program. And that's going to be his last home game at the Wittemore Center, which I like to call Lake Witt. He will he will be honored. This will be his, his final home game. And even with all of New Hampshire's struggles this year, I look at that as that's going to be a tough game to win. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about everything you pointed out there. New Hampshire is 10, 16, and 6 overall. They're 5, 12, and 5 in Hockey East. And they got swept in uh, their last week in a play. They lost a heartbreaker in overtime to Maine, a game in which they led 3-1 to 
going into, into the third period, and with eight minutes left, Maine got one goal. Then with five minutes left, Maine got another one to tie the game. They both had chances in overtime, and with 21 seconds left in overtime, Maine buried the game and put away New Hampshire. And just, I think it is incredibly emblematic of Emory's career. An honorable, talented fighter going down to the last wire and coming up just short and his greatest artists have been against the University of Maine. See 1999 for Apollo Championship. Right. I can't help but think this isn't the way Coach Emory should go out. He should go out fighting. He should go out with a real shot at winning the championship. And I do see some real talent on this Wildcats squad. I mean, Benton Maz and Max Gilden are both remarkable talents from the defensive spot. And Charlie Kelleher has started succeeding his brother in a big way. But he's not going to come back for next season. It's going to be Mike Sousa's gig. Uh, next year, and I hope that uh, they go out and fight and give them a chance to uh, to win. And it is going to be a big game, and it's Saturday night at seven o'clock in Durham. Just uh, it's Friday night is at Matthews, and that's that senior night at Matthews is going to be very meaningful to uh, to to the Northeastern players as well. It it certainly is. That'll be. That'll that will be Dylan Secura's last game at Matthews Arena, besides playoff games, because they will be hosting the their quarterfinal in hockey in the hockey's playoffs at Matthews Arena. Regardless of how this weekend shapes out, they already have the bye. They already have home ice advantage for that. So and they, Nolan Stevens, by the way. Yeah, Nolan and Stevens. Nolan Stevens. Yeah, it, and and it quite possibly Adam Condet. It's. There's no guarantees that he's going to leave after this year, but with the season he's putting together, I don't think anyone would blame him for pursuing professional opportunities if he chooses to do that after this year, especially with the two line mates he's had for a while graduating. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a couple players like that. I think Donato is the other big name who could really make the jump this year to uh, to go and join the Bruins especially since I've already heard uh, some people say that he would fit in great as a winger or uh, fit in great on coach's line and help give the Bruins some offense for uh, for a playoff push. So I wouldn't be shocked, but we're at that point now where you really got to start taking a look at uh, if we're not going to see any more of these guys in these times. Now this weekend's going to going to really seed the hockey East playoffs quite a bit. The, the matchups for next weekend, I don't think any of the first round hockey East playoff matchups have truly been decided yet as to who's playing or even where they're going to be playing. So that's going to be very interesting. And there's going to be another chance for New Hampshire to make one final push for Dickie Millie is they're going to get a playoff everyone in hockey east gets to go to the hockey east playoffs they'll they'll be an underdog and in fact they could end up being the 12 seed with merrimack playing an up and down umass lowell team with whom they have a bit of a local rivalry merrimack could end up taking some points there and passing new hampshire and sending new hampshire on to a much tougher weekend it's going to be interesting to see how that shapes up and how the seating shapes up for We've talked about the top of Hockey East. Has, there's kind of a gap after 
the Providence Northeastern and Boston College group. But then you have Boston University, who's kind of come on strong lately. You've got Connecticut, who's really coming on strong right now. And a main team that's had a very good 2018 part of the calendar against a UMass Lowell team that you can't count out a Norm Bazin squad anywhere. Massachusetts Amherst has shown itself to to be capable of an upset from here from from night to night and again New Hampshire is going to have a lot of emotion in these final games they play with Dick Umilly. Yeah, so BU gets uh so the the way these these hockey East tournaments are going to work. There's only 11 teams in the conference now because Notre Dame left and there's an odd number of teams in hockey East. So the top 4 seeds get first round by and get home quarterfinal series. The fifth seed gets a first round bye, but has to go play on the road against the fourth seed. So as it stands right now, uh, BC, Providence, and Northeastern have already shown up first round buys, and and we're working that seeding for those three over the next couple of days. And also, who gets to take home the next trophy and hang with the family for the season and stuff. BU is the next team down in the fourth place, and they are playing Vermont, who's an eight. And uh, they need at least one victory to show up that fourth spot. Because if they get swept by Vermont, then Connecticut could tie them, or Maine could join up there and make the trouble. But most likely, I think they'll get at least one victory, maybe three points, and will secure themselves a home playoff spot. UConn and Maine are going for that fifth seed. UConn has one game to try and uh, get themselves to 25 points. Maine has two chances, and they've got a game up, a game in hand on the Huskies. I wouldn't be shocked either for either of these teams to make that game. So the matchups, the remaining teams would, uh, for sake of argument and simplicity, let's say UConn ends up winning is the fifth seed. That means Maine and Merrimack would be opponents. Lowell and New Hampshire would be opponents. And Vermont and UMass Amherst would be first round play. So those are the potential matchups that we're looking for, and I think those are the ones most likely in the opening round of the hockey East tournament. Those would all be. It's hard to say local rivalries because all of those teams have a different primary rival, but those are all essentially the nearest campus to each other, with with Vermont kind of being the odd team out in hockey East, they're a bit removed geographically from the rest of the conference being up there in northern Vermont. But of course, they're not that far from Amherst. So that would be a bit of a local thing. UMass Lowell is really only down the street from Durham, it feels like. And that's why they had almost a home ice feel when they were in Durham in the, in, in the NCAAs last year, where... And of course, Merrimack is, well, Merrimack's not that close to, to Maine, but Orono is another one of those places where geography kind of fails. I, I would feel so bad for Merrimack going into Orono for a playoff series. That, that's a death sentence almost. And it's not just for Merrimack. That's for virtually anyone going up there because it's really far and those fans are crazy. Those fans want a playoff series. They want to win 
and they I would almost circle it as a loss for uh, for me moving on out of that series if they were to get anything for that home series. So that's the that's the hockey East playoff picture as it stands. We'll see if there are any any real major changes. I think there could be, but it would require again, everyone's going to be doing some scoreboard watching here and making sure that schools that are behind them in the standings don't necessarily pick up and especially those two teams that only play one game this weekend in Connecticut and and Providence. So they're they're going to be doing a lot of scoreboard watching over the weekend. This is the fun part of the season where everything's on the wire and you got to come up with something. This this is the fun part of the year. And really no conference is more up for grabs than the Atlantic. So we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Atlantic hockey, but before we get into the playoff picture, we said farewell to the jar just a few weeks ago. Bentley's home for a long time of John A. Ryan Arena, and they are now in a brand new on-campus arena. Chris, you were there. What's it like, and what has this done in the immediate term for Bentley's program? So first off, uh, the JAR is an off-campus arena in Watertown. You have to take a bus to get over there. It's maybe about five, ten minutes away from campus, but it's still off-campus, and it's a local a uh, high school rink with one row of stands behind one section and standing room pieces, uh, places on each of the ends. It's basically imagine your local uh, your local skating rink, but add in a press box so that they can be broadcast from it. Bentley really has been hamstrung by their inability to get uh, real big-time collegiate recruits in the building. Just they have struggled with uh, with that stigma of oh you play at the jar for uh, for your home games, but this new place, the Bentley Arena, it's on campus. It's shiny. It's brand new. Uh, think of it as kind of a Gannis Arena, but without any box seats. Uh, it's one big seating bowl. There's windows at the top for natural lighting. It's a clear clean place every single seat has a good view of all the action it, it fits about i think uh 1500 people it is a fabulous building it's just a shame that they didn't win their opening night game against army they lost it 4-1 but they got the second night of uh, of the home series against the Blackhawks. so and the fans were into it like the fans were into it. Bentley is a Division two school for everything except hockey, and they've really not had a lot of success since going to, to Division one in 2002. And Ryan Soderquist got to say afterwards that they've already brought new recruits through, and they've already brought people through, and they were impressed. And there's a couple of Massachusetts uh, prep school kids who – are going through the recruiting phase and have said that they're going to go to Bentley now because the facilities have been upgraded. The building makes a huge difference, and Bentley could really compete with uh, with other teams in the Atlantic. And really, in terms of facilities, 
they could compete with absolutely anybody in terms of quality of facilities, with, with really anybody in the country, except for maybe, uh, yeah, except for North Dakota, but they're a different beast entirely. But for the Atlantic uh, arenas, it's just fabulous. And they'll be at home on Saturday taking on American International to finish off their season. It's the only game they play this weekend, and it's the last game of their regular season. So they'll get another another look at that arena on Saturday evening. And it's it's good to see a program on the rise in Bentley. There's there's been a there's been a lot of they've had to come a long way in a short time as well. That's something that college hockey requires. These Schools that go D1, because there are only 60 schools that play ho- college hockey on the D1 level, it's it, it takes quite a bit. It take, You have to catch up in a hurry because there is really no such thing as a soft schedule in college hockey. You're going to have to play somebody. There just aren't enough teams to have a soft schedule. Yeah, it's a, it's a demanding task. And with the big recruitment game going on, especially since Bentley is in maybe the tightest market in, uh, in college hockey, in the Boston area, with Harvard, BU, BC, and Northeastern in the immediate area, with Lowell not that far away, with Merrimack pretty close, and with Amherst on the rise. And even within uh, the Atlantic, Holy Cross is pretty close, and American International is pretty close. To say nothing of the capabilities of Mercy Vicious out in other parts of the continent. So they're in a tight program. They need to keep up, and they now have the facilities to really keep up with, uh, with the top guys in the Atlantic. And that Atlantic, like we said, it is wide open this weekend it's going to be a fantastic weekend for atlantic hockey mercyhurst leads with 32 points they're going to spend their weekend at rit that is that that's not always an easy place to play so that could be an that could be an opportunity for mercyhurst to trip up opening the door for kinesius who is at who is at home they actually are home and home with niagara who's nearby to Kinesius, so nice little home-and-home weekend for them to finish. If they sweep and Mercyhurst takes at least one loss, they'll get a share of the the regular season title. And if they both somehow get swept, which is unlikely, of course, but possible, that opens the door for a Holy Cross team who is right there on the periphery. And it's got to be noted about Kinesius that they've really struggled lately. They had a series of uh, games in which they split. They split against AIC, RIT, Bentley, and Holy Cross, and Army in that order before uh, before getting swept by Air Force in Colorado Springs last week, seven to four in the first night and three to two in the second night. Helps also that. They really hate Niagara. Like this is one of the undersold and underappreciated rivalries in uh, in the Atlantic. So this is going to be a very fun matchup uh, to uh, pay attention to. I really it might well be the matchup you should pay attention to most 
But RIT is the team that they've been to the Frozen Four fairly recently vis-a-vis the other Atlantic teams. They went in 2010. They're, from what I understand, the most successful program in the conference. So, And that corner crew of uh, student sessions they have, they are loud and boisterous. So I would expect RIT to give most of those teams their trouble. And Holy Cross, uh, they've got a Thursday night game at the Hart Recreation Center against AIC. And then Saturday, they're only playing one game. So they've only got one game on the schedule. They have yeah, that, to win that was my mistake. They, they're not, they can't get to the 32 points they would need to share the regular season title. I, that was my mistake. For some reason, I thought they played Saturday. Yeah, I thought they did too before looking at it. But, well, they still have to secure some, uh, some playoff season. And their playoffs work in a similar way to the Hockey East. Uh, playoff setup in that you need to get one of these top four seeds in order to get a bye. And uh, as it stands right now, they're pretty tight. RIT also needs some victories to secure a home series because Air Force is nipping at their heels and are tied with them for 20 set with 27 points. So Air Force uh, is, I think, actually rated the highest in the pairwise out of any team in the Atlantic. Uh, no, Mercyhurst ultimately is at 26, and Air Force is 32. But Air Force is... They're, they're making a run at it, and I can't say I'm surprised that they're making a run at it. Right? They have a good they have a good out-of-conference record as well. They they have five wins and a tie out-of-conference, which, which really helps their record and helps them in the pairwise rankings. I think that that's part of why they're they're doing so well in that. They're going to be at Robert Morris. Of course, we've mentioned ad nauseum the travel issues for Air Force's school in Colorado Springs being on the in the Atlantic Conference. So there's no such thing as home and homes for them in conference. They're going to be at Robert Morris for both of those games. Robert Morris could actually pass them in the standings. They're with 26 points right at Air Force and RIT's heels. So when we say it's wide open, there's there's a chance that Air Force or RIT could have a great weekend and leapfrog to as high as third with Holy Cross only playing once this weekend. And there's a chance that Robert Morris or Army West Point could pass either of those two teams if they slip up and have a rough weekend. So it is. It's really up for grabs. We talked about how many, how the seating in hockey East can change over the weekend, but Atlantic hockey, it, it's almost like every spot in the conference is up for grabs. The top seat, the top team in the conference has 32 Atlantic hockey points. That's Mercyhurst. The bottom, Sacred Heart, has 22. So that's not a big spread. That's only. That's only a 10-point spread. In the Big Ten, it's an 11-point spread between the number one and number two teams. So that just shows you how close the Atlantic Hockey Conference has been this year. And while we may sometimes ignore it or forget about the Atlantic Conference, it has been a lot of fun this college hockey season. It's the Wild West of, uh, of the sport, and this should be a great time. For, uh, for all involved. I'm hoping that Air Force can make a run at it. In part, 
I'll admit being partial in favor of Frank Saratori. He's a wonderful coach to listen to in press conferences. I mean, seriously, just watch him and the way he operates. It's fabulous, and it, it's so wonderful to get to watch what uh, what he does in his operation as the, uh, as the head coach of Air Force. So uh, I won't be surprised if uh, if they make a run at it, but you know, I can say that for everyone in the sport. Canisius has been in a lot of trouble lately, so they'll have to turn it around. But I think Mercyhurst, I, I would very tentatively put them as having the best odds of winning out and getting the regular season championship and having the top seed. But there's a lot to be decided this weekend. But definitely, definitely keep your, uh, your eyes glued to what this conference does this weekend. Another conference that hasn't been fully decided yet, but this would take quite a bit, is the ECAC. Now, I'll open the door for it in this way. Cornell is leading the conference. They have 34 conference points, 16-2-2 in the ECAC. They have been the class of that conference all year with Clarkson at times nipping at their heels, but they've fallen back a little bit. They have 26 points there in third. And suddenly, here comes surging Union College, a almost, I would say at this point, a college hockey power that's growing at Union College, because they've really been in the mix nationally for a little while now. And here they are. They have 15 wins. They have 30 points. And if, if the Cornell Big Red were to lose at Rensselaer, on Friday night, then Union would and Union would have to win on Friday night. They're playing Colgate, who is not an easy out either. But that would set up at the Achilles Center in Schenectady. Cornell at Union with Union needing a win to get the share of the regular season ECAC title. That is a weekend. So if Friday night shapes out the right way for Union. That Saturday game could be a real premier matchup. Well, uh, I'll expand on the point of them being a power. I mean, they've been in two Frozen Fours this decade, in 2012 and 2014, and they won that national championship in 2014. So they've been a power for pretty much the entire decade. I thought they would take a big step back with uh, Spencer Fu and Mike Vecchioni graduating and Stellaropoulos, their goaltender, leaving. I thought they would take a step back, but they rebounded nicely, especially from a slow start to the season. So give them credit for that. Thing. With regards to your... And by the way, last year, they finished in a tie with Harvard for the best ECAC regular season record. And uh, so they've been a regular power for a few years. And that year that they had in 2014, they went to 3-4. They went 18-3-1 in conference. So they've been a power for a while. And they've been a real program for worship. Now, thinking about the uh, setup and the possibility of them coming up with a victory, the odds are very slim. RPI is 58 in the pairwise, and they're 
total record is not good. Five wins, 23 losses, four ties, 4-14-2 and two in the ECAC. And I get the whole point of uh, any team can win any game on any given night, but I think the odds are not very good that, uh, that RPI Tanner will come up with the victory against the clear best team in the ECAC. It's possible, and I hope it does just for the sake of entertainment, but I'm not going to count on it happening. Maybe I'm not enough of an optimist uh, in this regard. Well, and I don't see Cornell taking that game off. They're going to see that schedule. They know that schedule. They know how much danger they would be in. If they were to lose Friday, they would have a lot to deal with on Saturday at Union. They know they're on the road for both of those games. I expect them to come out fully prepared against RPI, and a fully prepared Cornell team should not just beat RPI, but beat them pretty badly. I agree with that. I mean, I've been up to uh, to RPI to see a game there, and they have some really good fans. So I have no doubt that they're going to pack the, the Houston Fieldhouse and make their presence known. But, I mean, just... I don't really see a way for them to uh, uh, to get a victory, barring college hockey madness, which is certainly possible. This is, it's one of the reasons we watch the sport, but uh, I don't really see it happening. The more interesting thing for me is the three and four seeding with Clarkson and Harvard, and whether or not Clarkson can get themselves turned around and rallied in time with two home games against Princeton and Quinnipiac, two teams that they struggled against on the road. So my question is whether or not Clarkson can turn their season around in time before the playoffs begin, and whether Harvard can go on the road to Brown and Yale, end their season with some momentum, and get Donato back for the ECAC playoffs and go on a run. Because I don't think he's going to end up playing this weekend. I haven't heard one way or the other, but I think they're going to give him a few days to adjust to being back on the opposite side of the planet and give him the, the week of uh, of a first-round bye, which they showed up last week by beating Carson, by the way. And uh, then, but a, a Harvard team, healthy, with Donato in tow, I would not be shocked if they were to make it to the championship game in their conference. Yeah, they're a team that can get on a run. You're, you mentioned that with Ryan Donato coming back, Harvard is going to be dangerous. A lot was expected of them coming into the season, and while they've been a bit up and down, they have shown flashes of who they can truly be, and that Ted Donato program is hard to count out at any point. So when it gets into the ECAC playoffs, look out for Harvard as they're going to be a really tough out in the ECAC playoffs. But that's going to be, that might be, at the top of the conference, the best set of matchups for a an upcoming playoff, because it just seems like those four teams set up very well together. So if everything goes, you know, as they say in basketball, goes chalk, then it would be, you know, Cornell, Union, Clarkson, and Harvard making the semifinals of the ECAC tournament and that would be a a great four teams to see to square off for a conference title. Oh, it'd be a great time. And all of them would be deserving. Though 
Colton Point could certainly lead Colgate to a few upsets, and Dartmouth has shown the ability to go into a place and win a game you never thought they could win. So, I won't, I won't rule out any of either of those teams either, but those teams atop the ECAC are deadly. And uh, I, hope for, I hope for the Crimson sake that this playoff run isn't the last with Ryan Donato. Because you talk about the way that uh, Gaudette pl- has played for Northeastern, that you wouldn't be surprised if he were to leave. I would say exactly the same and more for Donato, especially with how well he played in the Olympic. But from what I know right now, it seems like it's 50-50 whether or not he'll jump to the pros after this season. We will ha- we're going to have to wait and see uh, at the end of their tournament run how he's feeling, and what he thinks he can do for this team. The only thing, that, seriously, the only thing that gives me any sense that he would come back to Harvard for his senior season is that it's Harvard. And if you go here, you graduate. Kerfoot did it. Uh, Vizi and Chris Colo both did it. Lucas Pizzito did it. You know, if you go to Harvard, you graduate. So that's the only thing I could see holding Donato back for his senior season uh, with the Crimson. Well, I'll expand on that. I can see a couple other things holding him back, and that's Harvard's season in general might leave a bad taste in his mouth. He might want to come back and see if they could do a little better. You know, maybe they maybe they go on a run and he leaves on a high note, and that could very much happen. But provided they don't, I think he might come back for the I have a bad taste in my mouth, I have a chance, plus his you know, that's a family program. He'd be playing with his brother and for his father again. I think a lot of it's going to depend on whether he thinks that if he were to jump ship and sign with the with the Bruins organization that he would make the big club. Because I, one thing I don't see is Ryan Donato leaving to go play at Providence for a year. Yeah, and I'm not sure about, because I'm hearing mixed things about whether or not he would go to Providence or whether he would make the big club. Because the way the Bruins are playing right now, I'm not sure uh, how exactly he'd fit in because they're having a great run of it. I could see him fitting in just talent-wise. I mean, if you watch them play in the Olympics, you're looking at a pro-caliber hockey player. So he could fit in. I'm I'm not sure where he fits right now, and I'm sure that he's going to have conversations with the Bruins organization and see where they are, and there's a lot more to be decided. But it, I, my guess, it's 50-50 right now whether or not he comes back for his senior season at Harvard. And if he comes back, they're the favorites in the UCAC next year. It's interesting that the two players we've talked about in this episode as being possible Hobie Baker candidates, possible front runners, I, they're certainly candidates at this point, are both juniors. So there's a chance we could come back in the next season with the two Hobie Baker favorites coming into the season being the same two that finished last season. And two of the team, and that would mean a lot for both of their teams. So that's there's a lot that's going to be decided you know college hockey i think they have the most interesting off season of any college sport because of their relationship with the nhl and it's really going to show its teeth this year around the boston schools with 
with both Adam Gaudet and Ryan Donato going, they're going to have to weigh their options and see if maybe it's time to go pro or, you know, I, I think with Gaudet, I think there's more room in Vancouver because they've had such a rough NHL season, whereas the Bruins have been pleasantly surprised by the run they've been on. They, they're one of the best teams in the NHL right now. So like like we said, it might be a little harder for them to fit Ryan Donato in than it would be for a rebuilding Vancouver team to possibly fit Adam Gaudet in. But both of those juniors could very well come back next year. We could be having these same conversations about how good they are next year at this time. And that's really exciting for college hockey. Oh, it's certainly possible. I think that Donato has the better chance of returning just because uh, I think that most of Northeastern has been building to this year with this crew of people because Stevens and Sakura are both graduating, and I'm not sure that even with how well Northeastern has recruited, I don't see any way that uh, you're going to get that caliber of teammate to play with if you're, uh, if you're God deaf. So I won't be shocked if this is his last run. And what a run it's been for uh, for them to win the Beanpot and to have the amount of success that they have had this season. So I'd would... agree with I'd agree with everything you said there. I'd even add on to it that I mentioned part of the reason I could see Ryan Donato coming back is a bit of dissatisfaction in his season. Adam Gaudet's going to be one of the very few Northeastern players ever to graduate with having won both a Hockey East title at one point, maybe two, and a Beanpot, possibly a Hobie Baker. So then that would be the first in the program's history. So he's probably not going to come into the offseason thinking there's unfinished business. And if he does, that talk about a turnaround for a program. I can't imagine there's unfinished business left at Northeastern at this point. But you know, with Harvard, there certainly could be, depending on whether they go on a, a playoff run or whether they don't. And that's why I think I, I agree with you. Donato stands a, a better chance of returning for his senior year because there's there's a lot of things he could still do that Harvard wasn't able to do this year. I mean, God, that, I did get to ask him in a press conference early this season because he absolutely could have gone pro this year. Probably would have been in the AHL or probably maybe would have been a call-up for the Canucks a bit later on. But he said that he came back and uh, there were things at Northeastern that he wanted to win. And he said, in order, Beanpot, Hockey East, and the National Championship. He was talking about winning a National Championship early in the season at Northeastern. Uh, this guy's a competitor and this guy wants, this guy's talking about winning championships. So first of all, I hope that you, Tim, as a Northeastern fan are very excited that your best players are talking about winning a championship. And second, like the whole thing. And second, if that is the one thing, and if they come close, like really close, like go, uh, or like make it to the NCAA tournament and lose in some kind of painful fashion. That's the only kind of unfinished business that they could come up with, especially for the way he stalked. But Donato's still more likely to come back for another season because I think there's more to be excited for for Harvard next season. 
Absolutely. And and also you pointed out that the two players who have played with Adam Gaudet for the bulk of his Northeastern career won't be there next year, no matter what they're graduating. So that that's part of it too, that even though they recruit so well, even if they brought in people of that caliber, they're not the same people that Gaudet's played with. And, and, you know, you get, you have a commitment to your program, you have a commitment to your coach, but I think more than anything else, you know, athletes, on this kind of level have a commitment to their teammates and those teammates are going to be going, they could all go together. And again, I don't think there'd be a single person who would have a right to complain. Well, absolutely. I mean, especially for the season that they've had and for the way that they've played, they've done exactly everything you could ever hope for out of them to this point. There is more for them to go. And I really do think that this Huskies team with the caliber of offense that they have, they could make a run in the national tournament. So I won't be surprised if they, uh, if that ends up happening and if they come back and uh, go on a crazy run. So I would say get excited for this one because this is the playoff run that Northeastern has wanted for a while, I think. Yeah, this is, this is the culmination of everything Jim Madigan's built in his program. Like I said, from the moment he arrived, he was talking about the Frozen Four and about the national championship. And you pointed out that Gaudette mentioned it early on in the season that I, I can't put the transformation of Northeastern hockey any better than this. The phrase national championship did not exist around Matthews Arena until the last couple of years and especially this year. And that's what this program has done. And more, more to the point, maybe as we, as we look, we're looking a little too far ahead, but it's going to be interesting to see that's where the bar is going to be now for a program where the bar used to be pretty low. And now, now it's going to be set much, much higher by guys like Gaudette who have really transformed things on Huntington Avenue. And, you know, as a fan, I could not be more appreciative of that. So so that's a wonderful run for them. We've talked quite a bit about this, so we're going to move on really quick. It's the last weekend of Big Ten hockey. There is no conference championship in the offing. Notre Dame won that a while ago. Yeah, they're, they're the best team in the conference. They're, they're the best team in the nation. I don't really think that's arguable at this point with just how well they have played uh, to this point in the season. I mean, they're just... They're just dominant. And Cale Morris is, I mean, up there with Matt Delata from Cornell, Cale Morris is probably maybe kind of the front runner for the Mike Richter Award. I'd say it's a two-horse race, and I say two because Clarkson has been stumbling down the, uh, down the stretch lately, and they're going in the wrong direction before uh, the UCAC playoffs get underway. But it, it really is exciting to get to see Notre Dame be this good in the Big Ten. So they're the favorites. They should be the number one overall seed. And there's still some good hockey to be determined coming out of this conference. Yeah, there's, there's some playoff seeding up for grabs in the Big Ten this, this weekend. Ohio State needs to needs to win a couple of games and and lock up their 
Their status is the two seed in the conference. They have 39 points just ahead of a surging, surging Michigan team that suddenly come, comes up. And they're, they're a tough, tough opponent right now, although they are not in action this weekend, the Wolverines. So, or they are, but they're, it's a non-conference action. So, so Ohio State's really locked up the second seed and Michigan will finish their season at home against Arizona State. So what they were on a great run last weekend. Michigan swept Notre Dame, and that was a huge weekend for the Wolverines to prove that they're a tough, tough hockey team this year. Oh, yeah. they. I didn't think we'd be talking about them as being an NCAA contender, and I still don't think I would put them. And there have been some bracketology uh, posts, one particular on – NCAA.com, which I'll forward to you and we'll see if you can link it in the uh, description for this whole thing. But there have been uh, some people saying that Michigan really has already solidified themselves as an NCAA team. I don't think I would put them in right now ahead of Bowling Green and Northern Michigan from the WCHA, but they're certainly looking pretty good. And uh, that Notre Dame series last weekend, aside from being a worthy addition to uh, or a worthy explanation for why the Big Ten is a fine enough conference because it gives us rivalries like that. And I have, I have a friend who was at the Compton Ice Arena in Notre Dame for that game, and the atmosphere was a little absurd. A little absurd. So I'm surprised that the Wolverines are coming up as strong as they are, and it's just a shame that They've been so good, and now they're ending on a very anticlimactic non-conference note. Shame that there's one out of there's one team that has no conference affiliation right now. That we yeah. need to that's we need to fix uh, Arizona State's non non-affiliation. Yeah, that that's that's got to be a priority moving forward for college hockey. A way to put them in with now. In the WCHA, where Arizona State would be a good fit, by the way, or at least a fair fit, by the way, they they had an interesting weekend because Arizona State and Michigan Tech got together, and we're not used to fighting in college hockey. It's not a thing that refs will break it up. They don't. We don't want fists being thrown in college hockey, but between Arizona State and Michigan Tech, it it got chippy. It got so chippy the coaches got involved. God, what a glorious sport it was! We allow aggression to get to get uh, to get through each other. It's just, oh man, could you imagine? This that's building into a real rivalry for Arizona State to circle a game against Michigan Tech of all places. I mean, I would I would suggest this move. I would I I have a trade. I have a trade of a team that would even things out and that we could get things working on. I would move Holy Cross to Hockey East so we could even that conference out. I would move Alabama Huntsville from the WCHA to the Atlantic because it makes sense for them geographically. 
I mean, more so than, you know, in, in a conference with the Arizona schools, also so that we could fix the WCHA travels. And then I put Arizona State in the WCHA. That way we could have this Michigan Tech war against Arizona State, which is glorious. And then we could also have, you know, no independent teams so that everyone's in a conference. How's that sound? I, I think that's the most reasonable realignment proposal we've come up with. And we've had like three or four on this show throughout the, throughout the year and a half. We've had the that puck university has been a podcast. So I, I think you've nailed it there. It's the most, it, it's the most doable, although still probably not particularly likely, but the most feasible of the, of any of the realignment ideas we've come up with over, over our time. Well, at least we're moving in some bit of progression. I mean, it was a good time getting to watch that. And yeah, it probably is for the best that we don't have many fights in college hockey. But sometimes it is inevitable that that kind of thing is going to happen for better or probably for worse. But the rest of the games played in the WCHA were very compelling games. And I genuinely think there's three teams in this conference, worthy of a spot in, in the national tournament. Uh, Mankato is probably going to be a number one seed with uh, how well they've played. They're 21 and 5. There's a five point gap between them and second place Northern Michigan. They've got the regular season championship and lost. But I really do think that Northern Michigan and Bowling Green, with their records, and we'll need to solidify that with. Uh, weekend performances. Northern Michigan gets to uh, play a home and home with Tech, so that's going to be a good time on the on the Upper Peninsula. And Bowling Green gets to go down to Alabama and play the Chargers at the Von Braun Center. So I really do think that both of those teams deserve a spot in the national tournament. The way they played this season. I agree with that, and I'd say that it, it's been a great year for the WCHA. We've talked about that quite a bit, that they have they were hurt badly by realignment, whether, whether it was inevitable or not, and they've, they've started to recover. This is, this is a year where they almost look a little bit like the WCHA of old with some teams that could beat just about anyone, and Minnesota State you could make an argument they're as good as anyone in the country. They're currently number four in the USCHO poll because the pairwise have kind of taken over and polls have started to take a backseat. If I had a vote, I would have voted for them number one, just in terms of power, almost like a power rankings kind of thing. I think Notre Dame has had the best season, but I think right now Minnesota State's playing the best college hockey. I'll tell you why they're not going to get the uh, due recognition, because St. Cloud State is the best team in what has been the most competitive conference. It, it really is as simple as St. Cloud is. Like, the NCHC from top to bottom and the talent that's in it really is the best conference. And I think there's at least three teams worthy of coming out of the NCHC. For uh, for this year's NCAA tournament, those being St. Cloud, Denver, and Duluth. After that, 
I wouldn't put Omaha or Western Michigan in. And North Dakota, okay, I'm fine with North Dakota being in there. But uh, St. Cloud has been has had their moments of not looking like the best team. But Mankato and St. Cloud, I won't be shocked if those two are representatives in uh, in the Frozen Four. I won't be shocked if that's the national championship game that we get between the Huskies and the Mavericks. And of course, St. Cloud State, we've been talking about regular season championships. We didn't talk much about the NCHC because they conclude next weekend. They're, they're still in regular season action after this, but St. Cloud State could lock up the regular season championship with a big weekend against Denver. Denver essentially needs to sweep to keep their hopes alive of a share or a, a win of the of the NCHC regular season title. So if St. Cloud State so much as wins one game against Denver, that's pretty much it. And this is the series to watch. This is the national series to watch at the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center in St. Cloud. And I'd say to the Huskies, if you are the number one team in the country, if you are the top team in the pairwise and deserve to be the top team, show it by beating the defending national champions. Denver will still be in the national tournament, and they should be, uh, but go out and win on your home ice against the defending national champions. Go out and win and do your best to win convincingly. So if, they, if St. Cloud sweeps the Pioneers, then they are the no-doubt number one team in the nation. At the with one week to go in the NCHC schedule, you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Chris and Lynch, of, oh, oh, okay, sorry. sorry, sorry. There's a couple of other really interesting matchups in the NCHC, even with two weeks left. That Duluth versus Western Michigan matchup, I've been on record of me not being a big Western Michigan fan, but also Western Michigan, if you want to win me over then sweep Duluth, or at least uh, get some get one big victory against the Bulldogs. And I hope that you can start changing my song about you. But uh, I remain a little bit skeptical as it is right now. Okay, Chris Lynch of InsideHockey.com. You're going to be at tonight's game between the Mass Amherst Minutemen and the Connecticut Huskies at the at, at in Hartford, Connecticut. What else are you working on for Inside Hockey this week, and how can people find you on social media? So I'm going to be at the XL Center tonight. I'm going to be at Matthews Arena tomorrow for uh, for Northeastern hosting UNH on Senior Night for the most successful year in a long, long time for Northeastern. And then Saturday night, I am at Conti Forum for the final game of the regular season between Boston College and the University of Maine. So all those will be game stories that are going up for Inside Hockey, and I'll have end of regular season notes after the weekend is all done for Inside Hockey. You can find me on the wonderful thing called the Twitter, at CCLynchWall, all lowercase. And you can find me on the Instagram, as I'm being told it is, or whatever they, whatever they call it, Instagram at cclynch16. Are those are my socials? 
All right, fantastic. This has been another episode of Puck University. Ladies and gentlemen, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend who likes college hockey. There is a good podcast out there to take you through the national action week in, week out. We'll be back next week to discuss these upcoming conference playoffs and the end of the NCHC's regular season delayed by a week. I'm your host, Tim Williams. You can find me on Twitter at Tim Wright Sports and the same on Instagram. Everybody keep your head up and hits clean. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.